you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast swims in the sweet nectar of the newsroom. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ooh, yeah. Who's excited? Divisional round playoffs, the best weekend of the year. And today's show is exclusive to conversation about those four games. Not quite true. We got some news to get to. (laughs) A lot of news. But after we get to all that important news going on in the NFL right now, including a team changing its city, sadly, and uh, some head coach postings being filled, then we will dig into the the divisional round slate, uh, which is an excellent one. No stinkers, except for the Throne of Ease game. But beyond that, it's going to be a fun weekend of football. This is why you lift all them weights. Yeah. Greg does not want to call that game a stinker. Well, I'm going to enjoy your, it. I'm well, looking forward to it. You never know how, uh, as a fan, how many of these uh, games you're going to have. And, and Well, how about this? Any amount that Dan and I would have multiplied by 10. That's you. <laughs> and it will end some someday. I mean, I'm aware of that. You're very confident, though, about this game. Yeah. Texans, Patriots. I am confident about this game. I am willing to at least point out sports. It's sports, so you <laughs> you never totally know. There's a lot of things we've thought we totally know, but this would be an all-time stunt. As a small band of flautists ascend the hill <laughs> to crown Greg's head. A golden hill. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it, in fact, it's as simple as Tom Brady gets hurt, which, of course, I don't want to see happen. I want Tom to live forever. And the Patriots only win with three touchdowns. By three touchdowns with right, they did. They did win by 27 with Jacoby Brissett against the right. same team. But it's Texans team. Ooh, slice me up a piece of that Jake brisket. I didn't think we'd ever hear that again. Never know. There we go. The Around the NFL podcast, of course, sponsored exclusively, uh, and this won't be shared by any news. He sponsors the entire, the entirety of the show, mm. Mr. Flames economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. And we thank him for it and for um, – being just one of the best, I'm going to say the best sponsor in the game. Easy. 
a lot of space between him and number two. Maybe not for the NFL network media conglomerate, but for us specifically, yeah. this sponsorship's been excellent. Food, clothing. Friendship. He's taking care of it all. Um, all right. So, like I said, a lot to get to. And uh, I think La Cid, new money. Uh, we should get right to it. Let's do it. Supercharge. <laughs> Ah, that's sad. Sydney just sticking the knife right in the fan base. Yeah, I was. I did get. I was getting tweets today. Oh, you got to sing the song one last time. That feels a little inappropriate. I got to be honest. With the drop swine because I'm no culpability. That's on our producer, mm-hmm. New Money, um, uh, during this tender time in San Diego, uh, and you know why? Because it's official. The Chargers are relocating from San Diego to Los Angeles. Chargers owner Dean Spanos announced the decision in a letter released by the team. Um, while informing his staff about the move Thursday morning. The Chargers had until a league-mandated deadline of Tuesday to make a decision on whether to relocate or not, uh, and they made the decision to pick up and move uh, from the city that they've called home for 56 years. And uh, Spanos, who is not a popular man right now, uh, said this move came with much deliberation, and, and you, from reading what was going on, it wasn't a move he necessarily wanted to make. Uh, but at the end of the day, Greg, this is the move he did make, uh, and it came down to dollars and cents, not necessarily about uh, all those fans in San Diego that have been with his team through thick and thin and a lot of thin. Yeah, and that's a shame because I think the San Diego fans – have gotten a bad rap, and they certainly got the raw end of this deal, that they have been showing up for one of the worst-run franchises in the NFL, been the one Super Bowl in the entire Super Bowl era, and they get their team ripped away from them. I I argued with you to include this group in the pain rankings, I remember, Mm. Dan, and to me, well, this puts them over the top. They, and, they would be in it now. <laughs> well, that's my, my that's my thing is there is no greater pain now than than the team is never coming back and you never won. And so all that time and all your memories, that that's all in the past. And it's very clear from seeing the images this morning with Alex Flanagan out front, the Chargers complex with longtime Chargers fans coming up and dumping their jerseys on the front steps of the organization. And last night, myself, tweeting a few things out, and I would say that the, honestly, hundreds of people reacting, Chargers fans, that it was in the high 90 percentile of people that said, not going with you, not going with this team. And it was not just from Johnny-come-lately, 14-year-old Chargers fans. It was from people that talked about having season tickets for 30, 40, 50 years. The team has been in San Diego for 56 years. They're moving two hours away, and very few of those fans are going to come with them. That, that, that's what I heard when I was there at what now turned out to be the last game, and, and that's the thing. The, Humble brag. These people that the, – these fans, they were the like, – people get on them for not filling up that crowd. Well, first of all, that stadium was rocking when they returned the interception that day. That stadium was loud. Like they – so I don't want to hear that they're terrible fans. The Chargers in the NFL are, should be so happy if those are terrible fans. I mean the, – Well, they've been toyed with for years now. Exactly. That's part of that what's life going stadium's on. not packed when the Jets are lousy either. That doesn't make the Jets fans uh, bad. They are lucky that 
that they can ha- be so confident that you can just eliminate an entire fan base and still be a, and, a good business. And this is where it gets even more complicated, both for the NFL and for the Chargers and, and, by, and for the Rams as well, is that now they're coming up to Los Angeles because they had this opportunity and there is not a, no buzz uh, about uh, the Chargers being in L.A. Uh, I think it was Bill Plachke of the Los Angeles <laughs> Times wrote a scathing uh, takedown of the entire situation saying we don't want you turn around and head back and I, I you know I think some of this is overblown personally in my opinion in terms of whether people will embrace the NFL in Los Angeles let's see if that when there's a, a half decent team here let's see if the Chargers get really good if the Rams turn things around uh, but as things stand right now it, it, it's really a hard sell to imagine the, these teams both of them but especially the Chargers thriving when we become adults I think we begin to understand that sports are a business. Right. And when they're on TV or when you're at the game and you're enjoying it, you say it's a sport. And then every once in a while, an owner pops up and reminds you this is a business. And not only is it a business, it's my business. And I'm going to operate it the way I see fit. I'm going to take it where I want. I'm going to do what I want with it. This is not a sport. It's a business. Right. Because if it was a different owner, I think the situation could have ended differently that there could have been enough money to remodel Qualcomm Stadium or build a stadium on your own. And that's why I get annoyed by hearing people blame fans. Well, they didn't vote. They didn't vote for it anyways. They had a chance. They didn't, they didn't vote for it. Good like for them. It's 2016. Like the, Those days are gone. And uh, yeah. the NFL knows that for the most part. Unless the situation is totally desperate, you can't pay for schools. Like You're going to expect to subsidize a, a guaranteed billion-dollar business. Sell, you know, sell it to someone that can. Specifically in California that so many other parts of life are not funded well enough. And it's not just that, hey, let's get 100% of San Diego, San Diego because they're all Chargers fans to vote. Chargers fans probably did vote if they cared for yeah, this, but it's the rest of the city. And, and exactly. someone made a good point on Twitter that people in California, they live in L.A. their whole life, then they move to San Diego 56 years in, and the Chargers did it in reverse, and they did it in the wrong order. Uh, and just two more quick notes here. Uh, they will not be playing in the Coliseum with the Rams uh, until that Englewood facility is ready in uh, 2019 for the next year. And I guess next two years, they'll be playing at the 30,000-seat StubHub Center, which is on the campus of Cal State uh, Dominguez Hills. So that might soon be the to one be, soon to become my favorite venue for the NFL. Yeah, that will be That's if, the one if cool nothing thing else about this. a unique uh, setting. So we'll see how that all plays out. And uh, just in terms of uh, listeners of the show that are Chargers fans uh, – Sorry, guys. This sucks. And there's no other way. There's no way to spin it. I mean, you don't even get the promise of a franchise coming to to replace that franchise. I don't know what you do from this point. And I I know a lot of people are like, oh, we're quitting on the Chargers, and I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. Would it be easy for me to just quit the Jets if they move to Connecticut or whatever would be the equivalent in this situation? Then what do you do? But you imagine, I think it has. How about if they move to Boston? Because that's how San Diego yeah. views LA, and I think that gets missed, you know, with a lot of cut. Well, they only move in ninety miles up. Maybe Orange County fans are are fine with that. San Diego hates LA. Orange County fans weren't happy when the logo says LA. And by the way, it's the tenor of how this went down over the last couple of years, how the fans were treated. I think that plays into the reaction. And, and one last thing, like the the. NFL really took pride that teams hadn't moved for a while, for 20 years. If, if the Raiders moved to Vegas, which is looking likely, this is three teams moving in two years. 
And so that that's like a that's a bad sign of instability. They don't want that. That is, I don't think the NFL wanted to lose San Diego. I really don't think the NFL wanted to. The, the Chargers did. Yeah. So we'll you know be talking about all this more in the coming weeks. Uh, but yeah, the San Diego Chargers are no more. Let's move on and talk about some uh, happier news for franchises who are looking to fill their vacancies at the head coach spot. We'll start with the still defending. Are they still defending Super Bowl champions? I mean, let's, in name. Let's just say that because not really defending it anymore. Once they're not playing, yeah, I they, don't think they're defending yeah, it. They over. can no longer defend it. I mean, it's hollow at, at, at But most. they are forever the Super Bowl 50 champions. Uh, they have a new coach. Vance Joseph has officially been hired to replace the retired Gary Kubiak. Uh, Broncos GM John Elway announced Wednesday. Uh, Rap Sheet reported uh, that Joseph signed a four-year deal uh, with Denver. He has spent the past season as the defensive coordinator of the Dolphins. Uh, he had interviewed with the team with the Broncos on Tuesday, had a second meeting on Wednesday, and uh, got the job uh, officially. Uh, and uh, this is what he had to say in his introductory press conference on Thursday. It's a football team that's not broken. It's a great job. Um, most first-time head coaches, uh, the job they receive are, you know, mostly broken. This job is not broken. Wes, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I think this was a dream landing spot for a lot of coaches. They still have a ton of talent on defense. You've got some parts on offense, and you've got one of the best front offices and ownership groups in the NFL. I think John Elway was longing for not a shakeup, but continuity coming off Gary Kubiak. And if you look at Vance Joseph's resume, he worked very closely with Gary Kubiak. He worked closely with Adam Gase, and it's pretty clear that before this hire was made that – John Elway spoke with both probably and got a very clear letter of recommendation. I think it's also interesting that a chi- someone that he's known since they were a child, Kyle Shanahan, did not get the job. Mm. I, I believe they they interviewed Joseph the last time around, and they did, he did, yep. and and was really impressed. And this is where you just look. We don't know. There's no way to know who's a good head coach. He had one year as a coordinator, and it didn't go particularly well. But this is where you trust in John Elway. Like you've seen, you've seen him have conviction before and you've seen him be right, especially with this type of job, a management job that he, he really sees Joseph as a leader, a guy who can manage uh, every part of the team, not just defense. And he, he had his guy and he believed in it. And at this point you're kind of like, okay, I, I trust you, John Elway. Well, Vance Joseph is a <laughs> former quarterback too. So they do feel like he has an idea of offense and he did declare today. And this is not surprising that it would be, an open competition between Trevor Simeon and John Elway's first-round draft pick from last year, Paxton Lynch. And a it, it, it key thing is who are the coordinators, and it sounds like Mike McCoy is the favorite to return there as offensive coordinator where he once uh, coached up Timmy Tebow. Probably a better fit and paid coordinator Manny. role for Mr. McCoy. It'll be interesting on defense. Wade Phillips never would have gotten this job in the first place if the Bengals had let Vance Joseph become the Broncos' defensive mm. coordinator two years ago. It'll be interesting to see if Wade Phillips stays because the word is that Sean McVay wants him to run the Rams defense. Right. Whoever lands Wade Phillips is like gets the this is looks like the best hire <laughs> because we know what we have in Wade Phillips. You don't really know these head coaches, but if you can just start out with Wade Phillips running your defense, that would be nice. Joseph called Wade Phillips a free agent. I don't. It didn't sound like they're going to retain free, uh, Wade Phillips. Uh, another hire. This time, the Buffalo Bills, who've had their fair share of 
bad press in recent weeks, but they announced that Sean McDermott is their new head coach, the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator, officially named the 20th head coach in Bill's franchise history. On Wednesday, the Buffalo News had reported originally that this was going to happen. Uh, this was a statement from Teflon Doug Whaley, team's general manager. Sean McDermott is an excellent football coach, and we feel he is the perfect leader for this team. Sean's intelligence, leadership qualities, and vision for our team impressed, uh, impressed us throughout the interview process. So, uh, Greg, sometimes with these hires, you go defense and offense, offensive defense this time he went from Rex a known defensive guy to another defensive guy in McDermott yeah and he seems like an impressive guy Connor Orr wrote a good piece about him uh last year if you, if you wanted to check it out there's no way to know how he's gonna lead it's nfl.com slash that McDermott kids got promise <laughs> and you know he'll maybe change up a little bit more of a four three uh type of defense I think all these coaching hirings happened all in a row because everyone's scrambling to fill their staffs. Mm -hmm. And so Sean McDermott's offensive coordinator hire is massive because they're kind of starting from scratch and he's a defensive guy. Another rebuilding project in Buffalo. I mean, it's do you do you have the personnel to fit that defense? I, I don't know. Who's your quarterback? There's so many questions. I, it's got to be depressing for a Bills fan. Well, and the photo that they put out with the ownership and, you know, w with with Sean McDermott and Doug Whaley in the, you know, gripping to him, arm arm around the chest. It's like Doug Whaley's still there. And that, that to me, is the beeline through a lot of this chaos. Well, also that makes it kind of a tricky job to take because if the Bills have another bad year and they finally get rid of Teflon Doug, does the new GM want to keep the old head coach? It's a tough spot. Right. Or to, yeah, he's gotten in trouble with his last two coaches, and you do get the sense, I think, that getting along with Doug Whaley was probably one of the top job requirements to get this position. To to just be like, okay, let's, yeah, let's let's work it out. Doug. Well, you know, Rex, it didn't seem like they had a great relationship. Doug Marone, who still has never said why he left Buffalo, but did hint strongly this week when they said, who, what's to say you're not going to walk out in this job with the Jaguars. And he said, well, first of all, there's no clause in this contract. Second of all, uh, I get along with the people in the building. So what else do you need to hear on that front? Fair point. More head coach news. Oh, man, we're mowing through the openings. Uh, yes, Los Angeles, uh, the big news, of course, is the Chargers move. But the Rams did their best to steal the headlines uh, by announcing that Sean McVay is their new head head coach. McVay signed a five-year contract with the team, according to Rap Sheet. And, oh, my goodness, Wes, this offensive coordinator with the Redskins is 30 years old, turns 31 later this month. Uh, that makes him the youngest head coach in modern NFL history. Uh, the young coach thing usually doesn't work out. What makes us think it could be different this time with McVay? Well, that, you have several factors here. The people he's worked under and his pedigree, his grandfather is John McVay, who built the 49ers dynasty along with Bill Walsh. And then he came in under John Gruden in Tampa Bay as a really young coach. Went to the Shanahan's, Mike and Kyle, so he learned under them, stayed with Jay Gruden, and you can trace the takeoff of Kirk Cousins' career and the Redskins' offense to when Sean McVay started calling the plays. And I think if you've watched uh, Kirk Cousins, he's not really creating. All of these throws are defined for him. That offense has been – he has designed a really good offense the past two years. He also must interview well. Because, you know, Michael Silver and 
and others on our air pointed out, he went into this job interview and the 49ers as, as a pretty big long shot. And I and he ended up being maybe towards the top of both of the lists. And I think the Rams wanted to move because they wanted to get McVay and possibly get Wade Phillips. That's the report from NFL media insider, NFL network insider, we Ian did, Rappaport. We call him Rap Sheet around here. Rap Sheet. Yeah. Uh, Wade Phillips, that looks like the most likely destination. So they might have thought, let's get McVay. We were impressed by this kid. And we, if we sign him soon, we can get Phillips in the building. Could, and, and you're It good. could be a hit. It could be well, if it, this kid, yeah. if he can do if he's ready for this job at this age and like West the way you explained it with Cousins and turning him into a a monster stat producer if nothing else and taking them to the playoffs one year if you needed to get an offensive guy in there uh, with Jared Goff right. number one pick and that to me if he's a a young mind that can grow into this job it's a nice fit yeah it's in in, in Obviously, Greg, I think you're absolutely right. He must have really blown blown them away behind closed doors, and that's a good sign. He's got an NFL pedigree, and that helps, too. He's worked with great people. But I, I do feel like we're heading into the season, and this is just a personal uh, pet peeve. Uh, pet peeve is a pet peeve, a dumb, a dumb name, a dumb word. But I, I do think that the Rams are lining up as this team that's going to be glowed about, about all offseason, like – Ooh, you've got a promising young passer in Jared. Give me, you know what? I, I'm I'm allowed to pick one team. I think we all are every offseason where you show it to me before I get on board and get all hyped up about this. I don't need to yet. I did that with your Browns last year. Well, you, you were co- absolutely correct. And if you want to make the Rams your choice, I feel like it's a well, fair choice. It's, I think it's a fair it's choice. It's where they're, they're leading the pack right now. I think we're allowed to be cynical about some things. Right. It's like it's always it's impossible from our vantage point to know who gets credit. Like, McVeigh gets along with his players, it sounds like, pretty well. Like, he communicates. He's a same guy. And his coach is above him. So that's all really that's all really good sign. When you're talking and about others. That Kirk Cousins and the offense being good, okay, like, that makes sense to me. But Jay Gruden is there. He's an offensive coach. Bill Callahan is one of the best offensive line run game coaches of the last, you know, 10, 15 years. He's there. They have five good wide receivers. They're there. So it's like, who, who gets all the credit for this? It's a good job to take also in the sense that when you take over a job uh, where it couldn't get worse, there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. They average 263 yards a game on offense and average 14 points a game. McVay doesn't need to like change offense to be viewed <laughs> as a guy that has the True. team going in the right point. direction. And one last note. I don't know about this Jared Goff guy. I don't know about him. We'll see. But uh, his tweet Excited for the future of this team. Let's do this thing. He's like, quick, look where the sun rises. Which direction is that? <laughs> the recent history of super young coaches doesn't bode too well with Josh McDaniels and Lane Kiffin. Or but Ra- my- how about Raheem Morris? Raheem Morris started out pretty good and then went downhill fast. But you also have Mike Tomlin. Younger, really baby. Young. And then if you want to go way back, Don Shula and John Madden were two of the youngest. John yeah, I think it's person to person. It's not just exactly. an age thing, but it's certainly a job that anyone who gets into their second round of head coaching, they talk about how they don't tell you the first time around, but then they get that second job. They admit how much they had to learn. <laughs> also worth noting, it sounds like Les Sneed. Uh, will keep his job as general manager. The unkillable one. Not an official, but it's looking that way. There should be like a yeah, an unkillable off between who would be in it. It would be, it would be like a battle royale. Him, Doug Whaley. Whaley, uh, Sneed, uh, uh, oh, Dom Capers. Uh, just like all these <laughs> Got guys. Got a final four right there. All these guys with just incredible abilities to stay in the picture 
a battle for the ages. I give Arthur. Snead a lot more credit than Whaley. They took over literally the worst four-year run in NFL history, and I don't like that coaching staff that they had, so I'll give them a chance with the new coach. Okay, Greg. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right, now let's talk about some football games. Got to love it. Uh, and why don't we uh, start uh, – why don't we start with the Saturday night game? Because it is the game I've been giving it some flack uh, through the, through the week on the podcast. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it is the Houston Texans coming off um, a game in which Brock Osweiler looked, you know, okay. He made some passes at the very least, didn't embarrass himself and uh, and helped take the Texans to a convincing win over a beaten up Raiders team. Uh, so at least on, if nothing else, Greg sends the Texans into their matchup with the number one seeded Patriots at Gillette Stadium with a, a sense of confidence, I would think. Uh, unless a week of preparation for Tom Brady sapped that from them immediately. Yeah, that's a, like if you're watching a playoff game and you win it, you always are almost overconfident about that team going into the week because they obviously just came off their best win, their biggest game, the best performance Brock Osweiler had all season. It wasn't great, but (laughs) it was the best game. It was. Two touchdowns, no turnovers. That didn't happen. Oh, my God. But what are the Texans good at? I would say their strength is probably Clowney and Merciless is their number one strength. Good secondary, too. Good inside linebackers? I, I think the Patriots can minimize that strength because I, I think the strength of the Patriots' offensive line is really something. It's been the key to Tom Brady's great season, and it's been the key to this offense really looking a lot better than it did a year ago at this time. And I think they can handle those two guys. And if you can handle their pass rush, good night. Well, I, I don't think you're going to keep them under th- – 25 or 30, and I don't think Brock can keep up. I I think that's absolutely right. If you don't get into Tom Brady's head and physically shake him up in the first quarter of this game, this game is going to be an absolute nightmare if you like competitive football. Tom Brady needs to throw 35 straight interceptions to have his quarterback rating (laughs) dip lower than Brock Osweiler's. So you're not going to win it through the arm of Brock Osweiler, which is not not breaking news to anyone here. You need to – he needs to essentially repeat last week's game as a starting point. Uh, where he's Brock. not make yeah Brock, where he's not killing his team with mistakes. He makes a couple plays with his arms or with his legs, and then yeah, I think that's the whole key to the game is the pass protection of Brady because that's the only way in my mind that Houston steals this game with some type of calamitous turnover or or their special teams fumbles. I don't even know they special have the teams. Worst, they have the worst special teams in the NFL this year. I think have, it has have, to have be a great week. A consistent. <laughs> Pass rush that really gives Brady fits. I just don't see it happening, to be honest with you. This alleged number one defense is 18th in the NFL on the road. Mm. They're not a shutdown defense by any stretch of the imagination unless they're playing Connor Cook. I mean, it's a good, solid defense. It's not a shutdown defense. And for that matter, neither is the Patriots defense, which doesn't face any quarterbacks. And once again, is facing (laughs) the only quarterback since the NFL went to 16 games who got benched on a first-place team after Week 16, and it happened twice. I also see a Patriots team that quietly added Michael Floyd, who's already getting kudos from Tom Brady for knowing the playbook, for being an asset on the field. And Deion Lewis is starting to warm up. I wouldn't be surprised to see Deion Lewis used to counteract the blitz, to get the ball out to him in space, and he could have one of his bigger games. I mean, they've been waiting for that. Wes and I have had this conspiracy theory that it's almost like they've been saving him for the playoffs a little bit. I mean, as far as re- his receiving ability, yeah, you two are having a conspiracy theory about the point I just made. No, <laughs> nice I little, mean, nice little time to talk about it for three weeks. It's oh, almost, good for you. I'm just saying, good for you. <laughs> well, 
was scary. For God's sakes. That felt I, real. I didn't mean that felt it. real. I didn't mean it anything towards uh, what was going on there. All I meant it's is. all good, Greg. That was real. They have Danny Amendola coming back. Are we going to try to continue the podcast? Couple like experts. That? We're going to have to. <laughs> I wasn't saying it was somehow different. I'm, I know what everyone's it's like saying. Hiding. Continue on. We're fine. It's I, like they're hiding. Let, let me break this down. Mark, to borrow from Wes, you made an excellent point. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great way to counter out the blitz. Yeah. Counteract the blitz. Uh, I'm ready to end this work week. Scientists, you have been saying this for a couple of weeks now about this Deion Lewis thing. Everybody was right. Everybody did well, it. No one's been right. You're yet. all winners in the big in a big <laughs> spot. How about a healthy Martellus Bennett? That would be nice to see. I mean, they they have a lot of things that they can be excited about that haven't been the case. Tom Brady, I think what's been under played with him this year is like 432 dropbacks and he has two turnovers. That's out. That's outrageous. I mean, Greg, you know you're you're like just essentially what 70, 80 hours away from watching. Your Patriots win a game by about 35 to 38 points. You don't know that. You're right. I don't know <laughs> it, but that's the only defense you have is that I don't functionally I, know that for sure. It's and you, you know, it's an NFL team, the Houston Texans. You really want to try to talk yourself into the ways that this could be, but a, a competitive game. But it just feels inevitable. And then you onto everything else. The 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 uh, the advantages the Patriots have in terms of personnel. Uh, and Tom Brady against Brock Osweiler. And then you have Bill Belichick was given two weeks. Uh, and on top of that, he even kind of hinted that he cheated and got an extra day on the Texans because he assumed that the Dolphins would cheated. go down in flames. Hey, you know, nice try. You know, a little bit of Steelers cheat. did the same thing. Your foresight is illegal. Yeah. So, you know, he's been locked in on this flawed Texan team for eight days, and that's not a good sign. Well, Romeo Cornell, you would think, would at least have a, a better idea than most people on how to try to make Tom Brady uncomfortable. Okay. Right? I mean, you're, you're grasping it. The, the Patriots do the same thing every week against these lousy quarterbacks. Couldn't even make Jacoby Brissett uncomfortable. <laughs> Three-man, three he didn't have that great against a, Jacoby a, a, Let's just put it this way. A 42-10 Patriots win would be a fitting way for the last great number one defense mm. of the 2016 season It'd also be to go slightly out. disappointing from the Patriots' perspective. You know, uh, <laughs> you know how I was disappointed by a little bit in Houston? What? Your boy. My boy? Lamar Miller. I think the season – I know he had a good statistical game, but if you watch his last few games, I think the season – He averaged like 2.6 yards per carry. Being a primary back is – it's taking a toll. There's not a lot of juice there, not a lot of decisiveness. On well, so here's – Can I answer that one? Go ahead. Because, you know, I think L- it's Lamar is my boy. I will say, yes, he's gotten banged up as the season's gone, gone on, but it, it did not help – that the worst quarterback in the world of the NFL was on his team, it really made his job a lot more difficult. That's the only thing I'll say. Whether you think that he lost explosiveness during the season, I'm just saying he was kind of behind the eight ball to start with the season. No doubt. And then that probably didn't help. Speaking of behind the eight ball, so Bill O'Brien says the key to this game is we have to avoid mistakes. So so Bill Belichick, what he does, takes away your best player. DeAndre Hopkins, we're taking him out. No sideline throws, no boundary throws, nothing downfield. We're also going to take away Lamar Miller from you. So we're going to force Brock Osweiler to beat us, but he can't make mistakes. He doesn't throw outside the numbers or down the field, so he's going to be throwing 10-yard passes to tight ends all game. C.J. Fedorowicz yep. is going to have 47 targets. There, it's, but it's here's true. the thing. Most good quarterbacks throw the ball up for grabs and let the receivers make contested catches downfield. Brock's contested catches all happened at the sticks. 
They're all contested. Every time you see a Brock throw, somebody's sticking a finger in there. I, I don't expect to see them blitzing or getting too crazy. They're going to rush three, and they're just going to back up. That's what they've been doing all year against bad quarterbacks and just kind of like watch his brain start to melt and smoke and, and make mistakes. <laughs> That's what happened early in the season. Uh, they just have to get out without any major it. injuries. Uh, you have a little, a little game for us. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's been a hit. I, I thank everyone who loved uh, Not Over Under last uh, yes. week. Yes. Uh, Hot new game. One of the – A lot of buzz. Yeah, a lot of buzz. T-shirts, uh, just nonstop tweets coming at me. Right, just rain it in a little bit. What a revolution. <laughs> All right, let's start it up. Not over under. Three hundred and fifty passing yards for Tom Brady. Not over. I'm going under, under, under. Not under. Under. Right. Me too. Because they're gonna be up probably four scores they're gonna in cruise. the third quarter. I'm going not under. I'm gonna have about four hundred and thirty passing yards. You're over. Not I under. Just say over and under, I think. Would okay. Oh. I mean, not it's under. The only flaw in the whole, the whole premise of this new game. <laughs> yeah. Which is a global you, hit. You say yeah, not over under to start the thing, and then once you go. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think he would throw for 350 if he was in any type of competitive game. But I, And I, I hate to say this, and if you're a Texans fan, you probably hate us for this, but it's really hard for someone that's kind of on the outside of this game to talk yourself into this being a, a close matchup in the third quarter. It's hard for Texans fans to talk themselves yeah. into they're not stupid. They know. Although don't go Patriots, through the pains of it. Don't I, don't pain yourself to try to convince yourself it's going to be close. It's not. I'd go over. Not Belichick style to ever rein it back. No, be, better dropping bombs better deep into no, the court. Brady Garoppolo combined 350 over. Oh, my gosh. All right, one more. We'll do one. Okay, here's a better one. Oh, who, who has more, hijacked your game. Who has more <laughs> passing yards, Garoppolo or Osweiler? Oh, oh that just me. That fell personal. All right, not what? over under. Not over under. Two and a half. Funny, but also sad. Vince Wilfork sideline yeah, shot. I got the over on that. I've been, I've been locked in. I don't have to scream, but I've been locked in on this Vince Wilfork thing. Yeah. a lot of sad shots. I think it's, uh, it's absolutely the over because it's clear they pick out one or two of these characters every game, and they say, "Cameraman, just sit there with a camera on Vince Wilfork, and we'll cut there every eight or nine minutes." Good chance it's the last. Uh, game of his career. Sounds like he, he might be ready to call it. Right. Yeah, I like that, that he said he might retire, and Bill O'Brien said, wow, that's news to me. <laughs> uh, so we're all going to take the Patriots in the game. There's no one disgraceful enough to, to lock this up, though, right? I, mean, I don't know. Everybody's, I, everybody's got a little I had a bad code, week last all. week. I am tempted to just lock this up and you know get off the get it, out of the ugly corner. Just, you know what? I, I take back saying it's disgraceful, but everybody's got to live by a code, their own moral compass. If you want to lock this game up, go ahead. It feels wrong because I'm not even sure I'll watch this game. <laughs> Stop. You're going to watch it. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's uh, move on, and uh, let's move on to the NFC. And, oh, boy, we've been talking about – I feel like this podcast has been very favorable towards the Atlanta Falcons this season, and people have come, kind of come around uh, on them as an offensive juggernaut uh, of uh, this millennium. Uh, so far, I mean, they're one of the best offenses we've seen in some time. And now they get that home game that comes with the number two seed coming off their bye. And that home game, Chris Wessling, uh, means the Seattle Seahawks have to hit the road uh, to take on this great offense. Uh, no one's been able to stop the Falcons this year, Wes. And that's why you have Matt Ryan as your number one MVP candidate. Is there any way the Seahawks summon greatness and slow down this Atlanta offense? I mean, if that's the way you're going to phrase the question, sure. This is a good defense. It's got great. But will they? 
I mean, is that what you're asking? Yeah, will they? Will I, I Atlanta don't think... have a, a representative game to what they've been doing? I think season? the Falcons will score 30. Okay. So I think won't. they score 35 points at home on average. I think their speed with that backfield and Julio Jones and that passel of receivers they have is going to be too much for the Seahawks. Mm. And I, mean, I guess the question then becomes, can, if – if we're all in agreement that Seattle's not going to stop this Falcons team, Mark, do, do the Seahawks have the juice to score points and get in a shootout and win with the Falcons? I think it's it's a favorable matchup in the sense that their offensive line problems aren't maybe going to play out the way they would in, against this Falcons defense versus some other teams. But keeping up, I I don't see it happening because what happens with Atlanta's offense is they score so quickly. It's It's not that you can simply – go toe-to-toe unless you can do the same thing. And in reverse, I mean, we just talked about this on our NFL Network Pick'em Show. What times is it? 9.30 a.m. Eastern this week. not always week. the same, yeah. No, it's not. And thank you uh, for everyone that watched last week. Oh, Some uh, big-time ratings. Very kind. Very so a one-time slot alone this time. Yeah, uh, but, but it's a good one at least. Wait, what about the <laughs> 1.30 a.m. when you're uh, nice? Oh, sassed up. Sassed up. That's gone now with the with the games going oh, on. And you whatnot. can still they get got They're replaying the games and whatnot. Well, how about, how about Net Greg? You're plugged in with the NFL Network, obviously, as one of the chief no, talent it can't correspondents. Be. That's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> Next week's game. Both of them, the title games are on Sunday. Will the 1.30 a.m. Saturday I bet it'll be back. be back. That would be my guess. Are you involved in the scheduling? No, but I know what it is. <laughs> That's all. Okay, go ahead. Talent and schedule. Well, an incredible next-gen stat at showing, you know, visually what has happened to the Seattle Seahawks without Earl Thomas on the field. I mean, on a lesser level, they don't have an interception since he's been out, but it showed how vulnerable they've become to deep strikes. Mm. And it's at an incredible rate. And if you're Atlanta, that's what you thrive at. And so you go into this game with complete confidence that you can do what you've been doing all year to teams. Right. If your weakness is big plays down the middle of the field, that that's the Atlanta's biggest strength. I mean, even Matt Ryan if, is number one in every deep passing category. Right. He has, he has 17 plays over 40 yards. No one else in the playoffs right now has, has more than nine. And, you look at their receivers. Okay, you think maybe Richard Sherman can do a good job on Julio Jones. He did do a good job on Julio Jones last time. But you know what? Julio Jones can move around. He can play in the slot, and Richard Sherman's not going to move there. And when Rich- and Julio was in the slot last time they played, he had almost 100 yards against the other from, Seahawks From miscommunication of Sherman trying to figure out whether he was following right. Julio. Into- so if you're mm. struggling, like, if you're struggling to communicate and you're giving up some big plays last With time. With Earl I- Thomas. Right. Then then that's problematic. I would never count out the heart of a champion, though. We Ooh. talked about this, though. Has anyone ever used that phrase? <laughs> and, and you do think these are the same players who have won a lot of playoff games on defense. And if you're telling, if you want to tell me that Averill, Bennett, Frank Clark, Clark. Wagner and Wright all play outstanding team defense together, and this thing is just kind of a back and forth, not as high score as as the Falcons would like. I mean, that wouldn't shock me. What if they get the production on the ground that we saw against the Lions? I mean, that was new for Seattle, and if you can do that, you can keep Matt Ryan off the field to some degree. Here's what would scare me if I'm the Seahawks. They have been terrible on the road this year. They averaged 15.9 points, which is – Almost 12 points fewer than the average at home. Last week against the Lions, if you remember, the first couple of series, Russ Wilson was running for his life. Yep. Against the Lions pass rush, it isn't that great. Thomas Rawls had the first five first downs in that game. By 20 minutes into the game, they had yet to have a passing first down, 
And now you're going on the road where their offensive line has struggled all year because you don't get that extra beat. You don't get extra second, split second before the snap from your home crowd. You're not going to be able to hear your quarterback in that dome, which is one of the loudest venues in the NFL, even when they're not pumping in fake crowd noise. You can't mess around for 20 minutes no, when you go I just to Atlanta. The, the, pass, the advantage in the passing game, even with the Falcons having a bad – relatively bad pass defense, I think is going to be with the Falcons. And I think the Falcons secondaries come together a little bit late in the season. Jalen Collins is a guy that was kind of forgotten about, who was suspended, was injured, was seemed maybe a little bit like a head case early in his career. He he showed up and played well uh, late in the season. He He's a physical guy who looks, looks good. Four times this year on the road, the Seahawks have not been able to top 10 points. Wow. I, I think – this is the first time in several years where I feel Seattle is really, really a heavy underdog in a playoff game. Uh, and I'll tell you what, that what we talked about at the top of this uh, discussion, uh, that the Seahawks' biggest weakness on defense since Earl Thomas went out is their struggles with downfield passing. The Falcons do it better than anybody. To me, that's checkmate right there. That is going to cost the Seahawks this game because yep. they're going to be giving up chunk plays all day. And you know what, guys? Oh, no. Uh, when you factor in something, a, a, an advantage of that magnitude. Is he going to do it? And then you oh, say, oh, no. they're at home. No. And they are flying no. high. In the Georgia Dome. The Seahawks Dome. aren't what? the same anymore. In, in the, the Georgia Falcons Dome. All rise. <laughs> in the Georgia Dome. <laughs> I'm going to lock it up. Lock it up. Because <laughs> one good lock deserves another. Oh. In a big spot. Do I'm it. locking it up. Do it. Do it. Falcons win. Do it. Wow. Double lock it up. Somebody else go. I'm, I need to recover. <laughs> I actually felt, I don't know where to go for I touched there. Jesus. Somebody tell Derek Carr, by the way, down to five days until vengeance, uh, that I just felt God when I just – I like <laughs> That's that. That's not going to help your case. Uh, if the Seahawks – we're going to have another recipe here. They did sh- totally shut down Freeman and Coleman the first time around in a better way than just about any team. 67 total yards between the two of them. If you could make them one-dimensional and some – they have a pretty good rush defense. That's probably their strength. If you could make them one-dimensional, I think Devonta Freeman's unbelievable. Let's go ball play. Top five running back, I think, <laughs> in the NFL right now. Number five. Oh. He, I put him ahead of LaShawn McCoy because he's complete. He he does everything. Wow. He, I think I'm if really surprised to hear that. If there I was would, a – if I there, would put him right in that range, too. If, if there was a stat for running hard every single play, I, I feel like he would lead the league. There, well, there's a lot of value. And he's not even Danny Woodhead, number one. Nobody runs harder than Danny Wood. <laughs> we are going to get a wild card, Dan, for the rest of the show after his <laughs> moment. He's been touched. Do we have, Wes, do we have a little game to play here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's let's go back to Greg's uh, <laughs> See, not over-under. Wait, we're going back to not over-under. We're going back to the well. We're going back to not over-under. Wow, that is, what a sign of respect, Greg. Yeah, you. it's really become a hit. Everything's turning up Rosenthal. <laughs> the magic number in this game is 24. Under Pete Carroll, Seattle is 8-0 in the playoffs when they allow fewer than 24 points. Mm. The Falcons have only been held under 24 points in two of 16 games this year. Over under 24 points for the Falcons' offense. Oh, well, there you go. Well, we don't have to answer that because we already locked this game up. <laughs> I mean, a very easy over. Yeah, that's an easy one. I I think the Seahawks' chance in this game is is like they were back in 2012 when this offense really wasn't as 
well-developed as it is now. And they put up a lot of points on Atlanta then. They lost that game, but that it's in the 30s. I don't think they're holding Here, Atlanta. Here's now. the case for Seattle. The the pedigree have been, been there before. They're not going to go into this game spooked at all. The Falcons, after, after a bye week and not kind of being in this type of spotlight for a while, they could be a little tight potentially in this game. And if the uh, seasoned Seahawks team hits them in the mouth in the first quarter and, and maybe gets out to a lead, who knows what happens with this game. So I by no means – think that the Seahawks have no chance. I just feel like this is Atlanta's year to make a real Super Bowl run, so I couldn't I couldn't pick against them. I mean, if Atlanta scores seven points, Sydney needs to burn this broadcast immediately because we're very confident about this. That's how we, we see it. We are them. flying. If I remember Falcons. that previous playoff game correctly, the Falcons boat raced them going into halftime. It was about 20 to nothing, and yep. everything the Seahawks did was in the second half with Russell Wilson coming alive. All right. Mike Smith, uh, high point. Matt Ryan's high point, really, too. Only uh, playoff. Russ wins. came back and tied the game, and or maybe take the one point lead, and then Ryan came back within thirty seconds with a game-winning field goal. Ryan's high point comes this weekend. Oh, Mike Smith's high point, by the way, was wearing Tevas on uh, Premium Cable. Low point. I don't know. Tevas, Tevas, Tevas. I've never. Tevas. I don't know. Before there were, um, what are those? Hacky sacks? No, no. What are the shoes <laughs> that hippies wear now? They're like rubber shoes with holes in them. Crocs? I Crocs. believe they call them Birkenstocks. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. But it's good you bring that up. It's hippies natural. Hippies wear, wear Crocs? It's, it was Birkenstocks? I don't know. <laughs> Bir- you've been to fish concerts, huh? I mean, like, I, Birkenstocks? Kitchen workers wear Crocs. Also like, losers. It was Birkenstocks. Uh. and that, Well, first it was Barefoot. This is what talking that's about. The, that's the origin. He's giving us the, yes, the, the evolution of the, of the hippies' footwear. It was, it, it, was, it was barefoot, and then the Birkenstocks came, and they were roaring. Wow, they went straight from barefoot to Birkenstocks. out of nowhere, here, here comes Tevas. Tevas. <laughs> I don't Tevas. think that's right. Tevas, to that, me, was more like 37-year-old like no, middle manager. This is, this is the Tevas time, I called it. And I, then, out of nowhere, Crocs. Uh, dorky white guys all across the world said, it's croc time, baby. Hold on. Yeah. Shouldn't hippies be against plastic? It's not organic. Mm. Not today. Today's hippies it. would be hippie only probably as a, a bit. As a fashion statement. I think yeah. I, I not think the original I hippies. You're absolutely right. I think I wore you know, some Birkenstocks. Burks? Well, in high school, I think so. Birkenstocks, like, I'm the cool CEO roaming around my floor just talking to people. Or and then, but I hated back in the day, like, the eight like, eight kind of dudes sitting around, like, kicking the hacky sack around with each other. Oh, I hate One it. guy, like, on the ground behind them playing a guitar. Put it down. Firebomb the whole thing. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to <laughs> the Sunday games. <laughs> let's move on to the Sunday games. If you took the over on... One half hacky sack references on the Around the NFL podcast. You were right. <laughs> You're a rich man right now. Uh, the Sunday games begin. Oh, at Arrowhead Stadium. How exciting. The number two seed, Kansas City Chiefs. They earned that bye, and they are rested up and ready. But here come the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have been winning every single week for two months now. Uh, so they come in flying, of course. Uh, they they had no problems in their wild card matchup against the Dolphins. But Mark Sessler, this will not be the same challenge uh, for the Steelers. Dolphins versus Chiefs on the road uh, uh, in their building, a, a team that deserves respect. Yeah, I know everyone probably looks at Packers-Cowboys. Not everyone, but most would say Packers-Cowboys is your game of the week. No questions asked. This is a sneaky game of the week in my book because I, I look back at their matchup so long ago and I don't think that much translates for the Chiefs on offense. They, For all the doubts that I have held about the Chiefs for a long, long time, 
are st- have been erased to some degree because of the presence of Tyreek Hill, because Kelsey has been so explosive, because Alex Smith's been so efficient, because this team typically just does not turn the ball over. And it's hard to get a read on what Pittsburgh will do after last week, because history tells you that you get in the playoffs, you get good Pittsburgh, and then you get bad Pittsburgh. But this maybe breaks the streak a little bit because you have never had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown operating the way they did together last week. They had never played together before. I think this game is going to go right down to literally the final 10, 12 seconds. And it's going to be the barn burner of the weekend. This is playoff football. Yes. Two well-coached, tough, physical teams that aren't going to beat themselves. Balanced. Balanced. Steelers haven't lost in over two months. Mm-hmm. Chiefs are rolling into the playoffs. I am excited about this game. I, I can't wait to see this one. Here's one thing the Chiefs have to be very afraid of. They are not a good run defense. Uh, they 26th in run defense. 26th in run game. And here comes Le'Veon Bell uh, running. Uh, uh, you know, you could – everyone argues who's the best running back in the league. But if you go out – if you say, I think Le'Veon Bell is – you can make a real good argument, and he's running with confidence, and he's – even though they've used him a lot, that little suspension in the beginning of the season, he's still relatively fresh, obviously, the way he's moving. That could be a game wrecker for uh, Andy Reid. It, it could. Justin Houston's back. He's a good run defender if he is the Justin Houston that, you know, we saw – for a couple games it's a, early. It's a question. He, he's missed the past two games because of the same knee that gave him problems. Right. It's a huge question depending on how good he is. you got to give credit to not just Bell, who's ridiculous, but David DeCastro. I know we don't usually get it to guard talk. Both their guards. But Uh-oh. I have never seen a, a guard. Go down to the lab for this talk. Throw around. Okay. I'm going to make a sandwich. I mean, he kind of threw Ndamukong Sue around. He That was one of the most ownage. Watch, rewatching that game, that was kind of – he owned Ndamukong Sue. I mean, they, the Steelers should feel good. What they should feel good about is this is kind of playoff football. They, they've just gotten physical. They're running like a goal line offense on the 30-yard line last week just with seven offensive line and run down your throat, and that's kind of what what you'd like to do in Kansas City, I think, in these elements. Andy Reid said this week that Le'Veon Bell has created his own running style, rushing style. Good article up, by Wes on it. I yeah. wrote about it, and I think what gets overlooked is what Priest Holmes called flawless synchronicity with your offensive line. Mm. Le'Veon Bell can be so patient because he trusts those guys to get the right block at the last minute, to be where they're supposed to be, to be tacticians up front. And and this is right now is the most unstoppable running attack. I, in I the agree. NFL. I agree. And and his his power is underrated. It, everything about him is great. But he's also a big dude who still can run people over. For all the moves he makes, he is a great short yardage it, back too. I think it's easy to go through these previews too and focus a much less on Pittsburgh's defense, which has a guy like Ryan Shazier that when he made that interception last week. Of more, I mean, if you go watch how he moved around the field to make that interception, very few players in the league can do what he's doing. Everybody's sleeping on this defense, which leads the NFL in sacks since week 11 and is allowing under 17 points per game during the winning streak. This is one of the top five defenses in the NFL entering the playoffs. Wow. It, it just is. Wes, I have a observation of Le'Veon Bell. One word, baby. I don't know if anybody's brought this up yet. <laughs> this guy is all about patience. Wow. Ooh, good. Blew my mind. Good. Wow. That is new. He hangs like back that. behind the line. Yeah. He picks his spot, and then bang, he that goes. Is, Patience, baby. He's cutting edge. I'm Get glad it. you brought that to our attention. Everybody's Home been run. sleeping on how patient he is. Are we ready to play a game with this? Yeah, let's play a game. All right. This is a new game. 
It's called Not Over Under. No, okay. It's a whole, totally different game called Pick the Headline. Oh. Not sure about the music? Sydney and I test choosing this music. Oh. We, you know, we like it, right, Sydney? Yeah, it's I feel nifty. Like it, I feel like it's trying to, like, driving me crazy. Well, it's, you know. It's a little ethereal. You've just spoken to God, Dan. Who knows what's next for you? <laughs> so the headline is, this is the main screamer, giant font, 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 head, font right, headline. We're going to make the headline. I was touched no. by God, by the way. I'm That's giving stupid. you two, t- two headlines to the choose between. This one goes, Tomlin, more like Tom out. Then the oh, subhead, yeah. wicked long subhead. Steelers coach announces after 20 to nothing loss to Chiefs that he's leaving Pittsburgh to sign a fully guaranteed 10-year contract with the newly minted Los Angeles Chargers. That's your first headline that you can pick. Or here's a little scene nugget in the Kansas City Star next Tuesday. Screaming small headline. Chiefs hire new minority owner. Subhead, Sidney Carlson to leave NFL media for hands-on role with team. And from the five-graph story itself... Here we go. Carlson, known in media circles as New Money, told the star that it was an easy choice to switch careers away from producing a podcast largely ignored and ignored by its own company. Yeah, Carlson said. I asked my coworkers plenty of times how to best manage my new fortune, but their ideas made it clear they don't know anything about growing wealth. Besides, Missouri's just a three-state hop in my private jet from Utah, my true home. This will allow me time to focus my attention accordingly. I had too much to do running that overly demanding wow, podcast. Language. Massive yawn, new money, colon, out. Wow. What is the reality you see as more likely? <laughs> oh, so it's a what's more likely. Well, it's a, no, it's a headline that you want or to happen. Or is it a just, No, it's a well, headline. Well, if it was really our headlines, yeah. we would make the headline. No, it's a head- You, you can choices. say which headline you prefer. I can't really envision Tomlin leaving, or really, I can't really envision the Steelers being shut out in this game. I can with Sydney's new largesse. I can picture her buying into the Chiefs. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't imagine is Sydney using a uh, profanity. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with the other one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Tomlin, even though Sydney is uh, our very own. You know, her rap equivalent. I didn't get to the other day would, would be Little Kim, because mm. once she gets money, she just kind of went. She just lost yeah. totally haywire. I'm still going with the Tomlin. I kind of like Sydney. Loves this show too much. Sydney is. I'm like, not sure about that. What about this for a rap name, uh, Sydney? Lil Ariel. Little callback to your Disney love. Yeah, I love it. Actually, <laughs> favorite Disney princess. Nice work. Yeah, thank you. You have a favorite versus how Little Lil Mermaid. Is it? Yeah, really? How many wow, Disney princesses are there? Oh, there's oh, a lot. Now you're putting me on the Believe spot. Me. There's Bro. many. Bro. Do even Disney? We're really uh, – No, I don't have kids. We're really uh, off the map here. Um, back to the game because it, it's a great game, and and we it's time to pick the game. And there's only one way to pick it. It's to go around the room, and uh, I don't know who's going to pick who here. So, Mark, we'll start with you. I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Give me a score too, buddy. I will. Pittsburgh 33, Chiefs 31, last second touchdown by the Steelers. This game is going to be all about big plays. The Steelers lead the NFL in big plays. But Big Ben, as Greg has referenced, likes to throw a couple up for grab every up for grabs every game. If Marcus Peters and his boys can get those, Chiefs win. I say Big Ben comes up big. Steelers win. I'll go 31-27. I'm going to pound the table for the Chiefs here. We've, we've been talking about how they deserve the respect. So let's give them the respect and say that they win this home game. Mm. And I will say I, Big Ben. 
he scares me a little bit still. Even during this great run of play, and we saw it last week too, just like you said, yeah. Wes, throwing some balls up for grabs. I'm sure he's healthy with the foot business, but maybe he's not moving <laughs> as well either. Who knows? And Justin Houston makes some plays. I don't know. But Dripping I, with contempt. But I will say, yeah. I will say, Marcus Peters against Antonio Brown, that could be a win for the Chiefs, which you cannot really say for almost any other team in an nah. Antonio Brown matchup. No one-on-one ma- battle with Antonio Brown is going to be yeah. a win for the Chiefs. All right, but just, you know, again, They've got the just pieces. keep disrespecting the Chiefs. Go ahead. Roethlisberger's had more interceptions and touchdowns over the last four weeks. He's had more interceptions and touchdowns over the last seven playoff games. And you got the Peters, you got Barry, and I know James Harrison, by the way, had probably like the best one of the best games I've seen by any player all season last week. Like a defense. That's I mean, that was as good as he's he been back to 2008. But no one's better than at cooking up plays after a bye week, getting a little time and off then. than Andy Reid. I mean, every week he's got something that you just can't prepare for. This is his time. The AFC West, this is going to be a tough division to win. How many times are they really going to have a bye in a playoff home game with Alex Smith as their quarterback? I think it's going to be tough to get back here. They've been building up to this moment for four years, and I think it, it's right for them, and that's why. Oh, I am just feeling hey now. that Andy Reid's going to come no. with the drama. They're not going to know what hit him on defense. You feel that good. For Pittsburgh, and I'm going to lock it lock up. It up. Well, I can't agree with you. Bad move, bro. I think Alex Smith outplays Ben Roethlisberger this weekend. I don't agree with that either. That is why I <gasps> and I shouted oh, very no. loudly no, no. before, out of turn. No, 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 no. I'm gonna lock it up for the Steelers. We got a lock off. We got a lock off. Lock on lock crime for the second straight week. And that is it's because I also need to leave in about 60 seconds. Oh no. Well, I do, but that's my lock. That is my bonus. All right, let's lock. Uh, let's move on. I partly locked that because I thought you would be taking the Cowboys. Ah, uh, see, I love the the <laughs> politics behind it all, which takes us to the <laughs> Just game. To stay out of the way. You know? For most people, the game of the week, and it's being played in North Texas, and I believe NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal will be at this game where the Green Bay Pat. That's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. Do you have a security team in place, by the way? <laughs> it's a very travel? creepy. Uh, no, I. There's no security with me as I sit into the middle seat of the last row of of the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> the number four seated Green Bay Packers, ten and six. But of course, as everyone knows, as you may have heard, actually, uh, we're four and six at some point. And now ten and six, and they beat the Giants, so actually eleven and six. And now they go. To Dallas to face the Cowboys, thirteen and three. Oh, and this is this is what it's all about, boys. I love this. I love this type of game because the Dallas Cowboys are back in in a in a big way. We've always had to watch them in prime time in the last ten years or so. They weren't always deserving of it, but now the world's uh, eyes will be on Dallas, and I think it is a great great moment uh, uh, for football fans because Aaron Rodgers is in a legendary spot right now. He, and this is what I talked about on Tuesday, where I honestly do believe if, if the Packers go on to win this and get to the Super Bowl and win, people will talk about Aaron Rodgers in terms of, is this guy the best ever? Because it will be a legendary run. But the first thing he has to do, Greg, is get past the Cowboys. And I'm going to say this, and you tell me if I'm wrong. The winner of this game is going to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to buy that. Okay. I, I have too much respect for the Falcons. I'm sorry. I think the Falcons have all due respect to the Falcons. If the Falcons are hosting <laughs> the Packers, you know, I'm going to give them a chance. I'll give them a chance in either one of those games. Get but this th- chance stuff. I'm th- just saying who's going to win. I, gonna I, I think 
Well, it depends who wins this game. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Rodgers is at a point now. It's kind of crazy. We expect him. It, he's kind of like our entertainer. Like, we expect him to just make magic. Like, when he's running back there for five <laughs> Five seconds. I'm saying those plays where he's just kind of dancing yeah. around. Back. Dance for me. You expect monkey. You expect it to end with a touchdown. You would never. Th- that would never occur to you with anyone else. You would just expect. Okay, by the end of this play, he'll find someone diving out of bounds for a touchdown, and then he does it. Well, him and Christian Hackenberg. But yeah, the two of them. <laughs> Christian Hackenberg is real. Wow, Sydney. What wow. I mean. <laughs> Well, she's, it's the end of the season, and Sydney is just like at, at Aaron Rodgers' level, just flying now. That's how I do. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Thank you. You've really developed as a producer in a tremendous way, and uh, I appreciate you. <laughs> this is such a good moment. Good yes. luck in Kansas City. I, I legitimately <laughs> do need to leave to take care of two small children. They're just probably oh, no. wandering around our house at this point. What? Uh, shall I give you my pick yeah, before I, like I depart? Your pick. Yeah, it'll be good. Cowboys, 35. Packers, 34. Mm, another good one. Another classic. Uh, all right. What, Wes, is the biggest advantage uh, that the Cowboys have over the Packers in this game? They beat the crap out of them in Green Bay early in the season. They are a tougher team. They are a more well-balanced team. And if they can play keep away and impose their will on the Packers like they did early in the season – when I believe the Cowboys were playing at their best, then they have the advantage in this game. There, there are mismatches everywhere for Dallas, and that's why I don't buy the whole Green Bay's the most dangerous team. They have the best player, but to me, Dallas is is the most dangerous team because they can hit you any type of way you want. Yes, you could, the front line really just kind of enveloped Green Bay's front the first time around when they wanted to run the ball. But they can also hit you in the middle. I mean, Cole Beasley had his way with Micah Hyde. I think the Green Bay's linebackers, like Jake Ryan and Martinez and Joe Thomas, those guys can be exposed. I would not be surprised to see Zeke catch some passes in this game against those guys. And then on the outside, you got Gunter and Randall. And and they had trouble with Bryce Butler and Terrence Williams. Now you got Dez out there. I just think there's so much that Scott Linehan, who's been really good this year, their offensive coordinator, can dial up with answers. And Dom Capers on the other side, he loves to do all this crazy stuff. You know, let's bring these people. Let's confuse them. Let's do all this. And Dallas doesn't care. They're just like, we're going to do what we do and try to stop us. Your players aren't as good. Here would be my counterpoint. I feel a little more confident in the Packers because I know who they are right now. The Cowboys during their winning streak, which I believe got to 11 games, were the most impressive team I saw this season. Since that winning streak ended, they struggled with the Vikings. They struggled with the Giants. They struggled for three quarters with the Buccaneers. They then we they didn't even play their starters in the last week, so I don't know who they well, you are. You skipped the great game the last time they played. One of the maybe the best game they had all year, which is against the Lions. Well, that even that game by halftime, Zach Zenner was running all over them, and they weren't. They they came alive in the second half, but they have not been the consistent juggernaut they were earlier in the season. I struggle to find out who the Cowboys are they, right now. They, whereas the Packers have scored thirty points in five straight games, Lo- a longer streak than any team in the NFL this year, and a longer streak than in Aaron Rodgers' career. We know the Packers are going to get you for thirty right now. Yeah, the Packers are in some ways what the Cowboys were earlier in the season where they're just playing at a different level. I mean, you, 
where everybody knows now, Aaron Rodgers, seven-game winning streak, 19 touchdowns, no interceptions. They haven't had any turnovers of any kind for five straight games, that's, including the playoffs. That's insane. And that is, that's tied for the second-longest streak by any team in the Super Bowl era, including playoffs. They, are, they have come together, and people don't love well, Mike McCarthy. Well, but this team is not just Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they've all followed his lead here, but this team is now peaking as they head into Big D for a number one seed matchup. No doubt. They're not unstoppable. If the Giants had an offense, offense, they would win. They would have won that game because the Packers went through about 11 or 12 drives before they got it going. At one point in that game, Aaron Rodgers was four for 11 for 32 yard for 34 yards and had taken three bad sacks. But the Dallas isn't going to get into a game like that. They're going to have to do what they did the first time. And I think they're well suited to do it. Rush three a lot because you're not going to get to Rodgers. I think these two quarterbacks dropped back something like 60 eight times in the first game, and there were four QB hits. Neither of these teams is going to have much of a pass rush. The Cowboys don't even try, I don't think. They're just going to drop people back, and they've got numbers. I know you don't love their secondary, Wes, but I think they're good. They're, they're average. They're, they're, they're good enough where they can – I think they're well-suited to try to match up and just slow down and force field goals or at least force long drives. You can – there are a lot of reasons to like the Cowboys in this game. I don't believe – I think you have to throw out their defense against Aaron Rodgers the first time they met because that was a totally different – That was a different Aaron Rodgers playing with no confidence, not trusting his offensive line or his wide receivers, playing at the worst level he had played in his entire career. I didn't think I it was that big that a mismatch. Out. Both teams had a couple turnovers. Both Aaron quarterbacks. Rodgers, that was during the month where he was playing the worst he's ever right. played in his career. I throw that out entirely. Well – all I mean is you look at the roster. They get Claiborne back. They have Skandrick. They have Barry Church. They have Byron Jones. They have they've got a lot of average to slightly above average yeah, starters. But they've played that's, to That's nothing compared to what the Giants threw at him last week. They, they've played together. They have a good coordinator. All, they, all I'm saying is they got to get a couple stops or just force some field goals. That's, to me, the recipe because I think Dallas is going to get touchdowns. Uh, Randall Cobb caught fire last week. Oh, he had yeah. not been even an entity uh, on this offense. He'd been banged up, of course, going into the playoffs, but just hasn't been the same player that he was earlier in his career. All of a sudden, he shows up, has two, catch down, two touchdown catches, and then catches a, a Hail Mary ball, and, and now we assume Randall Cobb is Randall Cobb again, but I still think the loss of Jordy Nelson is something that's going to be felt in this game, and out of all... All due respect to Rodgers, who I think the popular sentiment is it doesn't matter who he has right now. I think against a better team, even though it's not a great defense, where they're going to have to score more points and it's going to be a little more pressure and you're on the road again, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's going to show up, and I think that really is going to hurt the Packers, even though people don't seem to talk about it this week like it's a major loss. If Cobb shows up, I mean, his energy and competitiveness is special. If they can get peak Randall Cobb and and – I saw it when you watch that game, the first catch he had last week, he's up, he's getting fired up, he's physical. Like, if you can get that Randall Cobb, that's a huge addition and would help to make up for losing now. A little inconsistent as a player yeah. the last couple of years. It's never good when you're losing one of your best players. And Jordy Nelson is one of the Packers' best players, so that's going to hurt. On the other hand, so much of what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now is improvisational. And if, you're, if you are a receiver for the Packers, all you have to do is keep running around and eventually <laughs> he's going to hit you. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ty Montgomery catch a lot of passes in this game as a as a running back or you know as a receiver. I feel like they haven't used that as much as you would think. Like he had a big play down the field last week as a wideout, and I, I like let's cook some Ty Montgomery up. Hey uh, Wes, you just said that Aaron Rodgers improvisational. Mm-hmm. This guy's not playing quarterback. He's playing jazz. <laughs> 
that's a Greg Coselism. <laughs> he's a little. He's just one note off beat on purpose. Mm. He's creating his own music. He's bebopping and scatting around. <laughs> you want one player, uh, Danny, to watch this weekend? Give me a player to watch. All-time great, a, sure. hall, a hall, future Hall of Famer. Sure. Who was the best defensive player on the field for the Julius Packers Pepper. last year? Julius Peppers. Mm. This guy's 36 years old, and he's still juicing he, up the tank. He's somehow better at the end of the. He's Juice. their best defensive player. Mike Daniels has been pretty close to unblockable too. He's great, but Julius, it's crazy. Julius Peppers is still doing this. Let's play a little old James Harrison game. was already like well, three years true. into his career with Julius <laughs> Peppers. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, one of our old standby favorite games uh, before we pick it. It is called What's More Likely. What's more likely? What's more likely? Aaron Rodgers has two or more turnovers in what is regarded as one of his worst. Uh, or very worst playoff performance in his career, or the Cowboys' offense has less than 330 yards of total offense no. and 350 yards of total offense and scores less than 20 points for the third time all season. I don't count Week 17. I'm going to go Rodgers because, mis- you know, it's football. Mistakes happen. He had two turnovers the first time around, and in a scenario where they fell down a couple scores – and there's just a ton of possessions, them trying to catch up. You know, you could see it happening. I'm going to go the other route because I've seen it happen lately where the Cowboys often struggles to move the ball for long stretches. Really? Against Green Bay? You could see that? I guess it's two things well, that are if, very unlikely. Yeah, I, I you're see. saying which I one's see. more likely. Aaron Rodgers is playing at the height of his powers right now. All right, let's pick the game. Mark picks someone to win 35-33, was it? 35-34. Cowboys? Pick Cowboys. All right, Wes, where do you come down on this game? I'm going 35-34 Packers. Wow, same score. Whoa. Well, now I kind of feel pressured to do 35-34, but I won't. Uh, I will say 35-31 uh, with the Cowboys uh, holding on for the win and moving on to the NFC title game. Yeah, I'll go. We all have, like, the same score. 34-28, Dallas Cowboys. Take it home. Set up a NFC champion. Hero game. pick. I mean, when you got a hero pick on Aaron Rodgers right now, that's good. You got to be feeling confident. Uh, so we'll see if Wes did you have a comes hero out p- smelling like roses or poop. Roses can smell like poop. Who taught us that? Uh, Andre three thousand. Yes. I don't know anything about that. He did. He taught us that once upon a time. Yeah, roses, great song. Very good song. Really smell like poo-poo. Uh, so there you go. That's the, that is the uh, preview of the 2016-17 wild, uh, divisional playoff games. Very exciting. Uh, can't wait to watch them. The next time you hear from us, it will be Sunday night where we'll be uh, breaking down all of these games. And um, Sydney, uh, I think uh, to go back to the top of the show, uh, out of respect for the people of San Diego who lost their Chargers, I say we g- say goodbye to them to, uh, right now uh, with their old fight song. This is the old Zeuser signing off for the mailman, uh, the sizzler, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass. WATNFN coming at you all day long and all night long. Here we go. Take it away, Superchargers.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 